Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Eight days later, we're in the eighth day of Pesach. Uh, what happened with Yeshua eight days later? A guy named Thomas. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, a fellow named Thomas in the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word, we pray. Gal Lord, pray you continue to speak to us today from your word in Yeshua's name. And thank you for everything that you are doing. Open our eyes. Help us see Yeshua. Help us enlarge our hearts in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. When is it permissible to eat chametz? Today or tonight? Uh, Israel versus diaspora Jewry, Ashkenazic versus Sephardic traditions. It's, there's difference. How about counting of the Omer between Passover and Shavuot? Uh, Jewish interpreters have debated for two millennia the precise date for Bikurim or Shavuot, resulting in all four possible dates being adopted by one Jewish sect or another. Now, this is from my Jewish learning. Uh, the, Omer, the Omer refers to the 49-day period between the second night of Passover Pesach, and the holiday of Shavuot. All right? Now, many of you are familiar with this. This period marks the beginning of the barley harvest when in ancient times Jews would bring the first sheaves to the temple as a means of thanking God for the harvest. Um, now, the word omar, omer literally means sheaf and refers to these early offerings. Actually, the root word means to collect, the idea of collecting, collecting the sheaves or reaping, and I want to talk about reaping and the harvest. Did God intend us to count every night? This is from Leviticus 23. Did he count, intend for us to count every night, sort of like a countdown or a count up, if you will, and with a blessing preceding it as the rabbis teach? Or did he just mean, in a general sense, to count the period length until the wheat harvest is gathered in. Did he mean for there to be a whole debate regarding what if one forgets to count on a given night? Well, if you forget to count, then if so, count it in the morning. Oh, and if you forget this also, then no longer say the blessing before you count for the rest of the nights. Is that what he intended? Because that's what's determined. It says in Leviticus 23, count off seven complete Sabbaths, or it also says to count 50 days. Leviticus 23, verses 15, 16. I don't think he intended it to be as rigid as that, personally. 
Now, Professor Marvin A. Sweeney and Dr. Rabbi Zev Farber say it is likely Leviticus did not imagine set dates for the Omer or Bikurim, that's the first fruits offerings, and was content to let the farmers make the offering after first cuts of barley each year and to start counting from then. This would differ year by year depending on when the grain would ripen. Such an interpretation fits with the way Shavuot or Bikurim is determined according to Deuteronomy 16.9. Seven weeks you are to count for yourself from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. You will begin to count seven weeks. Then you will keep the feast of Shavuot to Adonai. So different sects came to different conclusions. This is interesting. The Essenes in Qumran, the Sadducees, the Israelite Samaritans, the Karite Jews, and Beta Israel, the Falasha or Ethiopian Jews. Some of these groups used, used lunar calendars and others solar and others a mix. So they conclude, this is what these two professors concluded, the, the professor and rabbi, the one position that does the one position that does not appear to have been advocated by any Jewish group in the last two millennia is the simplest meaning of the verse, namely that the Omer offering has no set time or day, only a range of possible dates depending on the realities of the harvest season. Wow. How about that? So let me say very clearly, and it's interesting in our class this morning, we was on the oral Torah. Everything was written in the Torah, and we're not under the authority of oral law. We are not bound by rabbinic law, by legal traditions laid down by rabbinic authorities. We are subject ourselves to the Hebrew and New Covenant scriptures through our Messiah Yeshua in the freedom of grace and the finished work of his redemption. We love his Torah. Oh, how I love thy law. Like the scripture says, Psalm 119. I love it. Our heritage we love and these wonderful festivals. And we're free to observe them and incorporate them into our lives under the guidance of the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God. Amen? Right? And his grace for the glory of God. Absolutely. But we're not... Con- Fine to the legalism of interpretation by author- oral law, by the authorities outside of Scripture. No one even knows. Some of these things aren't even clear in Scripture. That's the thing. And so it's fascinating to read these, these, uh, in- these, these articles and say, wow, there are so many different interpretations historically. So do it unto the Lord as the Lord leads you, as the Lord leads your family, and do it for the glory of God as the Spirit of God leads you, and, and we, we praise the Lord as a community. Now, let me say this. We are, and, and don't judge one another, never judge one another uh, for the freedom or the, uh, or the conviction that another has. Amen? Don't, don't judge one another, but, but praise the Lord for the conviction which one has and the freedom another has to have a different conviction. We are moving toward a great harvest spiritually, not only of barley and of wheat, but of human souls. 
Shavuot is coming. We're counting the days until we see the wheat stalks fully formed, hardened, and filled with grain. And the barley does not ripen at the same time, it's interesting, throughout all the land of Israel. It's different times. It ripens uh, faster in one area and because there's mountains and hills and valleys in Israel. So some places it's quicker than others. Sometimes it's slower than others. And it's the same way with people coming to the Lord, isn't it? Coming to faith. Some, with some it's quick. With some it's, it's a long process. Uh, it's different times in different areas. And so you can't push it to make it happen quickly. You, we pray, but we can't make it happen. We, that's up to the Holy Spirit. That's up to God. That's up to uh, timing. And so we do our part. Seven weeks of trepidation and prayer uh, for, for the grain and the fruit trees between Passover and Shavuot, this 50-day period now. Each day, because that's what it is in Israel. It's a, it's a harvest agricultural festival. Each day, it's not the, the surrounding the giving of the Torah. That's rabbinic. That's not the biblical holiday. It was not around that. It was around the, the, the holiday of the, the harvest. Each day can bear either blessing to the crops or irreparable disaster. Prayer for dew. Can we get through without crop damage? Can we make it through? Daily trepidation for the outcome of the grain crop and for the blossoming, pollination, and early development of the fruit and the rest of the varieties, especially of the grape and the olive. Only at the end... Remember there were seven varieties? Seven, seven varieties. There were so many. Uh, there was a picture of that somewhere. There you go. There. There's the seven varieties. All those things that you eat daily, right? We all eat, you eat olives and pomegranates daily. Who was Tim was saying that pomegranate has 613 seeds, like the 613. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Uh, but but imagine eating it when you go to Israel. And we've got to plan a trip to go to Israel. All of us uh, take our group. Uh, but all those, look at those delicious fruit. These the, the grapes, the the uh, olives, the pomegranates. The olives are there. Great. Figs, thank you. The figs, the wheat, the barley, and what am I missing? The dates, the dates. Yeah, the dates. The honey in the Bible is date honey, not bee honey. You know, when you read about devash or honey. Let's see. All those delicious things you eat when you go to Israel. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. Well, <clears throat> all these things were, were forming and coming, and, and there was tension whether they'd, everything would, harvest, would be ready at, this, at the right time. Only at the end of the counting came the release from this apprehension and tension expressed at the, in the offering of the new grain from the just-harvested wheat. Fifty nerve-wracking days. Now, there is most certainly a war, a war spiritually on to prevent the harvest. The battles of facing violent winds... Torrential rains, the hot sun with its scorching heat, the freezing cold, the dangerous droughts, the drenching floods, and even the ravenous locusts. But how would the war be won? And how is the war spiritually won for the harvest? Through four things. Praying, loving, arming with the word of God. And going, evangelism, going. Our knees, our hearts, our minds, and our feet. 
our knees, our hearts, our minds, and our feet. Praying, let's say it, praying, loving, uh, arming, thank you, arming, <laughs> the word arming, and what's the fourth one? Going, yeah, we're going, getting our feet. How beautiful are those feet that bring the good news. So praying, nothing like we got praying. It all starts with praying. First of all, above all else, 1 Timothy 2, 1, pray, pray, because that's the protos, protos pantos in the Greek. It's first before everything else, pray, pray. Prayer sets it up. And don't judge a person. Have they say, did you pray enough? Have you prayed? To Listen, that's between a person. Let people pray different ways, different time, different way. But pray, intercede, pray, and some, it works differently for different people, but we've got to be prayerful. We've got to be, you know, and, and as we, it starts prayer, but then loving, loving, not judging, but loving, loving people, loving, loving. Yeshua said, you know, I've prayed for you in John 17, and I've given them your word. And then love, but but I, he never stopped loving them. Uh, arming then with the word of God, arming, we arm, arm us and then going, <clears throat> going. So I signed up just the, uh, just this week. I, I, we were getting rid of a lot of, getting rid of a lot of books and things. <clears throat> we were decluttering, you know, recently. And I signed up for uh, Operation World. Anyone heard of Operation World? I used to have the book years ago, and it has all the different countries of the world. I loved it. All the different countries of the world. But it was really dated. So I checked online. And sure enough, there's, you can sign up for an email every day. And uh, you get, uh, uh, they'll send you a, an email for a country to pray for every day. So thank you, Laura. There it is. Uh, so that, that's today's. It was yesterday's and today because I think it's Monday through Friday. Uh, they have a different one every day. And, that's, and then you can check down. Uh, you can't see all this on there because then there's information when you uh, on about the country, what to pray for. And then there's a place you can click if you've prayed for, if you're praying, you know, praying. I prayed, and, and you see how many people are praying around the world for that country. And it's amazing. And I said, yes, I, I'm doing it. And it's exciting. I'm going to pray. I want my heart to be exercised, you know, just like you get in shape physically uh, and start running and you start walking or doing a little more. And for me, you know what, it's pickleball. But you start playing, uh, you know, and, get, and a little more, or hiking, whatever, and you get back in shape. And I want to get back my heart back in shape for the world, you know, we can travel. COVID's ended now. We can travel. I mean, for the most part. It's not completely ended. But as I grow older, I want my world to grow larger, not smaller. My heart wider, not narrower. I want to increase, not decrease, right? I, uh, I reconnected recently with, with, uh, with a, a, another ch- a, a large group, with uh, actually in the Southern Baptists we used to work with, to explore how we can co-labor together. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, and their, their mission and vision, the same as mine, evangelizing, discipling, and planting, reproduce, reproducing churches among the peoples, all peoples in fulfillment of the Great Commission. And international vision is a, is a uh, multitude from every language, people, tribe, and nation knowing and worshiping Jesus. And for us, it's, of course, planting and reproducing messianic congregations with Jews and Gentiles knowing and worshiping Yeshua, the Messiah. It's the same thing, but it's in the Messianic world. In our Messianic world, the circle, we have our own, IMCS, uh, the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues, we're, we're a part of. I'm on the steering committee of that, and, and I'm honored to be on that. And we'll be having meetings during the Messiah Conference about uh, planning more. And, we have the, uh, and we're the largest umbrella group. We have the, the Jew, many 
great organizations like Jewish Voice Ministries and International, reaching internationally, and One for Israel, and these ministries we support as Cold OD. Uh, many more, many great mission ministries in the Christian world, of course, like Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As you look at these places, the harvest is plentiful. Let's say that. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But the workers are few. Therefore, what did Yeshua say to do? He said, he said uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So there's really nothing we can do about it. Did I? I oh, did I, that's, that's not in that. No, that's, I, I messed. Okay. Therefore, what? Pray. It says Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workers into his harvest field. Wow. And that word send out is, by the way, pretty, it's kind of like, I don't want to say violent, but it's, it's, it's thrust out. It's like, get them out there. Throw them out. Sometimes you got to like, boom, <laughs> you know, like get off your, you know what, get off your butt. All right. So he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out, thrust out. It's kind of, you know, into his harvest field. God says, but it's prayer. Let's start praying that God will send, will get people up and realize that open their eyes. Listen. It says, God's heart is for the nations, not just for us, not for my small group, right? Psalm 117, I believe it's in the Psalms that we're reading this week that are read for over in the end of Pesach. Psalm 117, the shortest psalm in the Bible, I believe it's less than, there may be 20 words or less in Hebrew, two verses. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples. For great is his loving kindness, his chesed toward us, and the Lord's truth endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what it says. Hallelujah. Adonai. Kol goyim. Praise the Lord all the nations. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. So this word katsirah, katsir and katsirah, means weeping. Katsirah. Katsirah. It means to shorten. Shorten it. In the harvest, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy, but he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In due season, that's Psalm 126, in due season, Galatians 6, 9, we will reap if we don't lose heart. The harvest is coming, and we're going to be a part, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of reaping it as it comes. Now, there's... How did it come with Thomas on the eighth day? On the eighth day, we see in John 20. Turn over to John 20. This would have been about this this time after Passover. Remember, Yeshua had come to the disciples after his resurrection. It was on the evening of that day, the first of the week, right after his resurrection, when the doors were locked, so they were afraid, rightly so, where the disciples were for fear of the Judean leaders, Yeshua came and stood in their midst. He came and stood right in their midst. And what did he say to them? Shalom Aleichem, yes. Shalom Aleichem. Peace to you. Peace to you. Let's say Shalom Aleichem. All right, Jewish greeting. How do you respond to that greeting? 
Lechem Shalom. Very good. Okay. So this is how Yeshua greeted them, and they were afraid. Uh, and then he said, and there behind locked doors, he says, Peace to you. Peace to you. Shalom. Well-being to you. Wholeness to you. But first he says, then he, but first he said, but why did you all run and abandon me in Gethsemane? In, in Matthew 26, 56, it says, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. But he never brings that up. Or did he here take out a list of all their mess-ups and said, First, let me, let's talk. First, sit down. Did you ever have that sit-down talk? It's really fun with your father or your mother or your someone here let's we're gonna have to go through this Uh oh <laughs> well listen there was none of that here this was this was he just said look he said shalom alechem listen i know you're afraid but he bypassed i love this because he bypassed their horrible feelings of guilt and their regrets and i'm sure they had them and he ignored their fear of being arrested due to their association with him and now he showed them his hands and his side. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you, in verse 21. Because our faith is not a faith to be kept inside, but to be taken outside. It's an outdoor, not an indoor faith. The words uh, sent, he says, the Father sent me, it's in the Hebrew means to be sent, in the Greek rather, to be sent, apostello, to be sent on a mission. The Hebrew would be shaliach. Sent on a mission. And then I send you is a different word in the Greek, pempo. It means to dispatch. The Father sent me on a mission, and now I've dispatched you with this message. But they can't do it in their own strength, and we can't do it in our own strength. And so he says, after this, he, he breathed on them. He said, receive the Ruach HaKodesh. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they're going to only be able to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now... We come to verse 24. It says, One of the twelve, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Yeshua came. So he was not at that meeting. And the other disciples were saying to him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied to them, Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. I won't believe. He's a skeptic. I'm not going. I don't know. I don't accept your report. I'm sorry. I have to see it firsthand. And so eight days later, verse 26, there it is, eight days later, the disciples were again inside. Now, I, I love this because did you ever feel like you missed a great opportunity and you regret it? You say, darn, I wish I was there. I really missed it. And I can never get it back. Well, thank God Yeshua doesn't give up here. And he visits him again when he's there. And God doesn't give up on us. He says, so look what happens. Eight days, they were again inside. Thomas is with them. Yeshua comes despite the locked doors. He stood in their midst and said, what's he say? Shalom Aleichem. Let's all say it. Shalom Aleichem. <laughs> then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting 
and believe. A a complete Jewish Bible says, stop lacking in trust, have trust. The Hebrew word be emunah. I didn't print it out, but let's say emunah. Emunah from Amman, where we get amen or amen. Something sure, something certain, uh, relying. You know, uh, I, I would translate maybe stop being trustless and start and and but become trustful, because there's definitely a but there in the Greek, but be trustful. Stop being trustless, but be trustful. And Thomas answered and said to him, what? My Lord and my God. Let's say that. Praise the Lord. Is Yeshua God? Yeah, this is one verse that we definitely use to be very clear. Is he divine, Yeshua divine? He's not just the rabbi. He's divine. He's God in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy, I think it's First Timothy 3.16. God was manifest in the flesh. He is the God-man. El Gabor, I translate in Isaiah 9.5 or 9.6, uh, depending on your translation, I translate it as the God-man. El Gabor, God and man. He was both God and man at the same time. Mystery, do we understand? Of course not. Of course not. He's God, and, but he was God and man totally both at the same time. And he was, who, uh, he was the one going, whose goings forth are from of old, from the days of eternity. In Micah 5, 1, and born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, he was the one who is, who, what is his name and, the, and his uh, son's name? In Proverbs 30, verse 4, he's gone up to heaven and come down and gathered the wind in the palm of his hand and wrapped the waters in a cloak and established the ends of the earth. What, says, what is his name and what is his son's name? He, was, he, is, he is God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel. The virgin conceiving and giving birth to his name, his name shall be called God is with us in Isaiah 7, 14 and 9, 5. He's the mighty God, father of eternity, uh, prince of peace, and so on. And, and uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, his name will be called the Lord is our righteousness, this one who is the righteous branch. Uh, he's the Lord said to my Lord in Psalm 110, verse 1. He was God. Now, what happens is, Thomas has a revelation, and people need a revelation. We need, to, as we're praying for people, for our pre-believing friends, for those that don't know the Lord, they need a revelation. They need, I think I've heard Crystal call it an aha moment or something. Or something. You know, it, we, we need a moment that you just, that an encounter, as I talked about recently, an encounter with, Thomas has that. My Lord and my God, oh, you are who you say you are. You are. It is you. You are back. You are alive. Oh, can you imagine it? Can you imagine the joy that filled his heart? Can you imagine? And Thomas was no, you know, he was no lazy fellow. He was no, um, you know, he, he was a serious guy. I mean, weeks earlier, Lazarus had died. If you read the other verses about Thomas, he'd said, let us, when Yeshua had said, let us go to Judea again in John 11, uh, and the disciples said, Oh, they're, they're going to stone you. The leaders are going to stone you. Uh, you're going there again? And, and they tried to talk him out of going back. Thomas was the one who's ready to die with him. He says, uh, let us also go that we may die with you, John eleven sixteen. And later, Yeshua uh, speaks of going to prepare a place for them. And Thomas is the one who says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Thomas was, you know, he was a, a, a great disciple. Tradition has it that he died by spear, uh, as a martyr in India, went to bring the gospel, brought the gospel to India, and that he died of a spear wound in India. We don't know. It's just tradition. Um, but maybe that's how he passed. But people need a revelation. 
We all need an encounter and a revelation where we have a my Lord and my God moment and, uh, with Yeshua. Amen? And, that, and the harvest is going to come as we pray, as we use our, our feet, our hands, I mean our, our feet, our, our heads, our hearts, our, all our, our knees, our hearts, our minds, our feet. As we pray, we love, we arm, and we go and see the harvest is going to uh, come. Uh, because this is what happens here. They recognize Yeshua, by the way, in Luke 24, in the breaking of the matzah. We believe that, you know, the afikoman may be there, if that was developed in that tradition at that time. Uh, but the, the pierced hands they saw may be there. And uh, he says in Luke 24, 39 and, 30 and 40, he says, Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. And he showed them his hands and his feet. So real. The resurrection is a reality. We're going to have new, glorious, glorified bodies. It's going to be amazing, but we'll still be recognizable. I don't know. I don't know. That you, you know, could read First Corinthians 15. I encourage you to go read that chapter. A kind of a Talmudic discourse on the style discourse on it that Paul does on the new bodies and, and the resurrection and the reality of it. It's going to be amazing. And uh, Yeshua says to him, "Because you've seen me." You have believed. Blessed are the ones who have not seen and yet have believed. We haven't seen him, but we believe. In First Peter 1, 8, we still trust not believing. And one day soon, the hour is coming. In John five twenty five, Yeshua said, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live, will live. So, Father, we thank you for the resurrection that's coming. We thank you that we're going to have new bodies. We thank you we're going to be changed, Lord, in an instant, in, in, to, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, and we're going to be changed and have our glorified bodies. We thank you for the harvest that is coming, Lord, of our Jewish people to faith and of the nations, of many of the Jewish people and the nations, Lord, the great harvest, Lord, that's coming. We pray for that revelation, Lord, the opening of the eyes, Lord, that we can, we'll see many of our friends and people that don't know you saying, my Lord and my God, and having their eyes open, Lord, and knowing you, knowing you, Lord. We will all know them. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their iniquities, their sins and iniquities. I will for, remember no more in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 35. Thank you, 34. Thank you, Lord, for your great mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your atonement in Yeshua. Thank you. If you're trusting, if you're watching today online, if you're here and you never trusted Yeshua, you haven't had that moment, I pray you're having it now, saying Yeshua died for your sins. He died for your sins. He atoned for your sins. And he loves you, and he comes to you, and he says, look, look, I died for you. I'm arisen for you. I'm risen for you. I'm risen, and I, it's your sins are paid for, and you can know the living God. You can have eternal life. You can know me. You can know your, have eternal life. So just trust me. Put your faith in me. Put your faith in me. I won't disappoint you. It won't be easy, but, I won't dis- but you will have eternal life. You will know the living God. You will have e- that peace that passes understanding. We thank you. And if you let us know, if you're pray that, praying that prayer, contact us. Uh, if you need prayer, if you're here this morning, you, there'll be someone to pray with you up front. Let's stand. We're going to close in the benediction. And if you uh, need prayer, someone will pray with you here. Contact us.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.